Bowser is the senior analyst for The Motley Fool, and I like this line. He finds stocks that make money and tells the world about them. That's a good one right there. I appreciate it, and I appreciate Jason Moser from The Motley Fool joining us now. Jason, how are you, sir? Doing well, guys. How are y'all? Good. It's always fun to talk. Thanks. This would be a stupid way to invest, I realize, and you probably don't run into anybody in this situation, but if if a person said, I'm going to invest in one stock, I'm just going to put my money in one stock, long horizon, I'm not retiring for decades, what should I put my money in? Wow, just one stock? I mean, we would never really recommend that. So I can give you one vehicle, though. One, um, If you want to invest in in one asset, you can invest in the S&P Index Fund, an ETF that represents the entire S&P 500 Index Fund. Good one. That's essentially getting exposure to all 500 companies in the index in the form of one uh, so-called uh, so share. So you could buy shares of that S&P Index Fund really throughout the rest of your life and be investing in the broader market. Does it that make, would probably be the easiest way to do that. Does it make you want to drive your car into a bridge when you hear TV and radio people talking about the Dow endlessly? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know that I want to take it that far, but I think you raise a good point in that historically the Dow has been used as the benchmark, uh, but as times have changed, certainly it's a little bit less uh, indicative of our overall economy, at least at least as it pertains to the S&P 500. The S&P 500 is typically uh, the benchmark we use when we measure the investments that we make because it's such a much better cross-section of the overall economy today. The Dow is very limited, only 30 companies in that index. And how about, an hour, and how about hourly updates on that? Even the Washington Post uh, this past weekend had a do away with the daily hourly Dow reports. I mean, what what is that? Well, those are those are uh, news entities that I think are just trying to fill time in order to help their advertisement uh, businesses uh, flourish. But yeah, we certainly don't invest that way. We we encourage our investors here, our members and subscribers, to focus on taking those longer time horizons, three to five years, even longer perhaps. Uh, and when you can take that approach, patience is really one of our biggest advantages. Time is our biggest friend uh, when it comes to investing. So yeah, don't pay attention to those day-to-day movements. Stocks go up and down. Focus more on the business. And as long as the business is performing well, uh, that that should help you sleep at night. Somebody help me uh, remember to get back to index funds in a moment or two, but now seems like a perfect uh, chance to ask the following, Jason. Um, What do you think of quarterly or or worse, uh, monthly reports that companies have to put out and, and the way that, that's turned, in my mind, stocks into mostly a speculation game as opposed to investing in solid companies. And forcing all companies oh. to think short term. More importantly, yeah. I, I mean, I think you make those are, that's a great observation, and that's something that we talk about a lot here at The Fool, is, uh, you know, these companies, they, they're required to file paperwork every quarter uh, on the state of the business. They file that 10Q report, which tells us what's going on in the business over that, over that three-month stretch. Uh, and then most companies will then release a press release uh, and also have an earnings call. And, and a lot of times you're right. That, that, that sort of short timeline forces these management teams to think a little bit more along those lines as opposed to focusing on making decisions that are, are better for the business, a little bit more long-term focus. I think a really good example recently, uh, Ron Shake, the guy who founded uh, Panera Bread, and he was the CEO of Panera for quite some time, and eventually – Panera was made an offer to get bought out. They, they were bought out by uh, a private a private entity, so they're no longer public. But Ron Shake listed that as one of the biggest challenges was having to deal with 
that quarter in and quarter out madness of, of just meeting these arbitrary Wall Street benchmarks that sort of hamstrung them a little bit in, in making better long-term focused decisions. So, yeah, I think companies, generally speaking, would rather be able to just go about their business and maybe report every year. Uh, but some companies definitely, uh, they'll release like a 10Q or something, but then they won't really have a call in order to go further into the state of the business, Berkshire Hathaway being a very good example there. Of course, Warren Buffett is uh, very much in line with that long-term thinking. But there's no question about it. When you see these companies that are reporting every quarter, uh, Wall Street lays down these arbitrary benchmarks. They, they make it difficult for these businesses to make those long-term Well, and then you get stupid time. reporting. You get the same sort of stupid reporting from the same stupid people that are giving you hourly Dow updates telling you, boy, Apple way off this quarter with their projections of it. And in people's minds, they're hearing Apple struggling when they may not be at all. That's exactly right. And we tell everybody, you got to look past the headlines. Um, and, and, I mean, whenever we're doing our research into these companies and their quarterly reports, I mean, we're not going to these articles that are written on financial websites. We're going to the actual source, the SEC documents that the companies publish, and then we're able to make our own assumptions and decisions based on what we're reading there. But typically, yeah, those those, those financial media sites, and, I mean, we, we obviously have a financial media site here at Fool.com, uh, oftentimes will throw a headline up there that is not necessarily – uh, a good indicator of the state of the business, and, and really, kind of in this internet age, clicks are what dictates a lot of a lot of business. And so, uh, the more clicks, the better. And, and what better way to get clicks than those uh, crazy headlines? Boy, so true in so many areas these days. We're talking to Jason Moser, the senior analyst for the Motley Fool, about you know how to see through the the smoke screen of most financial reporting, and we're getting close to the moment where mega investor positive Sean gets to ask his <laughs> one question that he is allowed. So Jason, just uh, quickly, we were talking about index funds. If you could only do one thing, an index fund more or less reflects um, the, the, the panoply of stocks and companies on the entire index. So that's the idea. You don't, yeah. you don't go heavy oil and pharma. You just you got a bit of everything. Um, is it still true that index funds almost uniformly outperform the more specialized ones? Um, well, how would I, you I describe it? Generally speaking, I, I would say generally speaking, when we talk about funds, because there are a number of different types of funds. There's mutual funds, which I think has always been sort of the traditional, um, the traditionally understood uh, investment vehicle. And oftentimes, index funds, those exchange-traded funds, will outperform mutual funds because the management fees are typically lower and the turnover is lower as well. But those funds aren't buying and selling stocks as much as, as your traditional mutual funds. But when you talk about an index fund or you talk about an exchange-traded fund, I mean, there are exchange-traded funds where that fund will actually uh, be based on a particular market like energy or financials or tech. Um, or you can buy the broader type of index funds that is going to focus on something like the entire S&P 500. So it really does depend on, on what exactly you're looking to invest in. If you want something that focuses on a particular market versus something that focuses on the market in general, but it would make sense to, to think of it this way. If you're going to invest in the, in the S&P 500 index fund, then that fund essentially is going to match the performance of the S&P 500 over time. You're going to follow that line. So instead of having to pick individual stocks, you're just getting that whole basket and, and ultimately over time, it's going to, it's going to match over, over time how that, how that S&P uh, performance 
which historically means always up, maybe more modestly than speculating on oil or whatever. I, just a quick. Yeah, I mean, you stretch that graph out there. Look, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, the trend is clear. The S&P goes up. Now, there are some bumps along the way, but that's why we subscribe to that longer-term view because the facts are the facts, and over the longer-term view, that market does go up. I remember when oil was 100 bucks a barrel, I was heavily into oil stocks and thought I was a genius. <laughs> yeah, that's a really oh, tough so market. Funny. That's a really, so and it's, funny. That's one of those things that's completely out of our control, the price of oil, you know? Right, right. Jason Moser, Motley Fool on the line. Positive Sean, your penetrating question. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking to up my my dividend exposure in my portfolio, and as I'm doing my research, uh, specifically, at what point is a dividend high enough to where it should be a warning sign or a red flag? And more generally, how do I tell if a uh, between a dividend tra- like what's a a dividend trap, something that that's a good dividend but a bad stock overall? What what should I be looking at for that? Yeah, typically we look at any company that's going to pay you a 3% yield or better as kind of something we're looking for for the longer haul. Um, oftentimes you will see companies where they're yielding 7 8 9%. Those higher dividend yields tend to be things like master limited partnerships or REITs, real estate investment trusts. And the reason why they offer that big yield is because perhaps there isn't uh, the same opportunity in the fixed income market, uh, which I think would be very reflective of what's going on today. Uh, but when you see those higher dividend yields, I think that you need to approach them with the question of how can they afford to pay this dividend and can they afford to continue paying that level of a dividend over time versus something like, uh, a McCormick, you know, a McCormick Spice Company where they've been in business forever. They have a presence in virtually every kitchen in the world, it seems like, and they pay an affordable dividend over time that uh, they, they won't ever have any have any trouble covering. So I'm going to nerd out on you just a little bit here, Sean. There is, there is something called the payout ratio, and that essentially is the number, the amount they pay in dividends versus the net income that they bring in. That payout ratio gives us a good indicator as to whether the company can afford that dividend over time. Payout ratio, is that your term, or is that kind of an industry term that I can kind of look into? No, that's an industry term that uh, you can certainly look into. Okay, hey, Jason, i got to cut you off because I feel like we're, I think we're getting too far into the weeds, just in layman's terms. (laughs) So if a company's paying too high dividends, what's going on there? Well, I mean, if they're paying too high of a dividend, it could mean a a number of different things. Perhaps they're trying, uh, you know, to to boost that dividend to get shareholders more interested, or perhaps that share price has come down, which is going to make that yield go up. Um, I mean, it could mean any number of different things, but it also oftentimes a higher dividend pertains to uh, some of those markets like master limited partnerships or or even REITs, sometimes energy companies, uh, where they tend to offer a higher dividend when times are good, but when times get bad, uh, you know, then they have trouble affording that dividend, and, and it's reflected in the share price there as well. Fair enough. Jason Moser, senior analyst for the Motley Fool. He finds stocks that make money, tells the world about them. Jason, it's always informative. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, guys. You got it. Well, there's a perfect example right there. So people like to be in cool stocks and you know, like feel like a cool guy and a mover and shaker. But McCormick Spices, I mean, how boring a company is that? Cloves, Jack. Delicious yesterday, delicious tomorrow. But he's right. Every damn kitchen in the country has got McCormick Spices in it and will for the next 50 years probably. Yeah. And it's not an exciting stock, but probably a great company. Interesting. Well, I tell you what, oil exploration companies, I'd buy those stocks up, up, up. I thought I was a genius. 
Look Rising tide, idiot. <laughs> Look at me picking winners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get to continue to call yourself a, a genius if you get out at the right time on that stuff, I think. I kind of did, yeah. But that was just because I wanted this guitar. <laughs> so I worked out. out, yeah. <laughs> Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. I always like talking to him. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. Everybody always texts after we talk to the Motley Fool dude uh, that they like that segment. Oh, good. That's cool. Glad. Yeah. yeah. Hey, have we heard that Cardi B tape yet? There was a See, music. There was a music award show last night. Who needs well, that? Well, it's been thirty six hours. So there was yeah, a sunrise right. this morning. Hashtag Trey Obs. Anyway, let's hear it. I'm in the support mood. that music. Be the biggest fan that you could be. I want to thank Barty Gang. Gang, 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 gang. What's good? What now? Was that English? I believe she. Uh, uh, okay, so I believe her her fans. Much like Beyonce has the Bayhive, right? I think uh, I'm Cardi already has, tired of this. Has the Cardi gang, and so she was just kind of shouting that out over and over ah, in her, her super. peculiar syntax. Tribalism to sell records. I saw a funny YouTube sell video. Sell records. Listen to me. <laughs> I saw a funny YouTube video of Cardi B's noises and uh, utterances um, uh, with her thing that she does and all yeah. <laughs> And it's just, whoa, she's a wackadoo. And she's a for real gangbanger, right? Or at least was. Well, she was a stripper. She was a stripper who would roll dudes. Yeah. 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 That's she pretty hard them and steal. <laughs> well, she got in a fight with some other gang member. Uh, Nicki award. Minaj. Yeah. There was, I believe there was shoe throwing. And yeah, I think they actually, it was a scrap. They had to be separated. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Boy, this is great. Do we have time? I think we have time for this. I love this. This is an opinion piece. It was uh, actually, it appeared a while ago. I've been sitting on it, but. It's by Richard Vetter, who's a college uh, professor, teacher, whatever, has been for years and years. The headline is, College Wouldn't Cost So Much If Students and Faculty Worked Harder. And there is there anything as old and busted, as they say, as the university system, the college and university system in the U.S. right now? Maybe the political party. Sort of but whack. something so clearly, clearly blanked up and needing to be completely reformed. I'll just read a little bit of it of it to you. One reason college is so costly and so little real learning occurs is that collegiate resources are vastly underused. Students don't study much. Professors teach little. Few people read most of the obscure papers the professors write. And even the buildings are empty most of the time. That's always seemed that way to me when I'm on a college campus. The buildings have no people in them. I've noticed that. The New York Federal Reserve, who for some reason looked into this, 
uh, says more than 40% of recent college graduates are underemployed, but many already are while in school. Surveys of student work habits find that the average amount of time spent in class and otherwise studying is about 27 hours per week. The typical student takes classes only 32 weeks a year, so he spends fewer than 900 hours annually on academics, less time than the typical 8th grader, and perhaps half the time their parents worked to help finance college. If indeed they are doing that as opposed to accumulating crippling debt. Wasn't always this way. Uh, This way, as economists uh, blah 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 have demonstrated, students in the middle of the 20th century spent nearly 50% more time, around 40 hours weekly, studying. I wonder, I wonder what the percentage was for people who also worked, too, how much that's changed over the years. Right. They now lack incentives to work very hard, since the average grade today, a B or B plus, is much higher than in 1960, when the average grade point average of around 2.5 implied a typical grade of B minus or C plus. I'm part of the problem, he writes. I've been teaching for 55 years, and I assign far less reading, demand less writing, and give higher grades than I did two generations ago. Wow, now that's an interesting admission. Yeah. From an obviously old professor. Yeah. I give higher grades and assign less work. Right. Huh. What's yeah. what's the motivation for that? I mean, what's wonder wonder if it's motivating him? Just the the uh the evaluations by the students or Well uh, yes, to a large extent. Or we'll how get... far you can push students before they'll, they'll complain? Uh, right, right. Um the one and we'll we can get back to this um maybe during after the news. Um but he talks about the a couple of sociologists uh, who used the collegiate learning assessment. They found that the typical college senior has only marginally better critical reasoning and writing skills than a freshman. No, I don't doubt that they at all. They hardly make any progress. I, I, don't doubt, I don't doubt that a bit. In and, fact, I would have assumed that. And you're paying twenty-five, forty, sixty grand a year for that? Literally for the piece of paper. I mean, that's what you're paying for. For 900 hours in the year worth of any effort? To say that you went to college. I think that's what you're doing. Anyway, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Nancy Pelosi jumping into the battle over bar. Bureaucratic crap. That's what Congress is ta- saying about Pen- the Pentagon's handling of veteran medical record failures. Yeah, there's some amazing stuff in that story. Yep. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Got some poll numbers coming up for you, digging into Trump's uh, approvals in various areas. Pretty interesting stuff from CNN. Yeah, speaking of numbers, this uh, this uh, editorial from the Wall Street Journal I've been reading from is just so interesting. College is so expensive, partly because Nobody's doing much. Kids are studying less. They're going to class less. The professors are teaching a third less than they did when this guy started. Um, a third less? Well, yeah, and, and, and they're not learning much either. A civic literacy test administered by the Intercollegiate Studies Institute shows appalling gaps in knowledge with seniors knowing very little more than freshmen. Only 24% of graduates know that the First Amendment prohibits the establishment of an official church. For instance, huh? I would think that I've known that since like fifth grade or something, but but maybe I'm know, wrong. I don't know. He talks about how little professors are asked to even teach now, and he says the excuse is that professors today are publishing more research. True, but why? Nobody reads that stuff. We've talked about those right. numbers before. That's just a the whole academic thing. I keep saying this over and over as I learn more about it. It's a weird bubble insular. It only exists in their world. Right. 
Right. It's so strange. Yeah, and you, but you have to pass through and do the little dance to get the piece of paper to wave at people when you get done, as opposed to... Well, a pretty big chunk of the students, though, plan on staying in that weird world. Yes. Graduate school, then yeah. into academics. So. Which is unfortunate, because as this gent makes clear, that it wasn't terribly long ago where the idea was, you learn like hell, or we shove you out. You're here to learn and learn hard. And people did. Hmm. News now with Marsha Phillips. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is accusing Attorney General Bill Barr of lying to lawmakers about Special Counsel Robert Mueller's final report. Now, ten years ago, this would be an amazingly huge story. The Speaker of the House has just accused the Attorney General of lying to Congress. Right. Huge story. I'm not sure it still is, because everybody calls everybody a liar, and then we just move on to something later in the day that's different. Maisie Hironi called him a liar over something. Hirono called him a liar over something yesterday. Everybody calls everybody a liar all the time, probably because everybody's lying all the time. <laughs> During a Capitol briefing today, Pelosi said, The Attorney General of the United States of America was not telling the truth to the Congress of the United States. That's a crime. Eric Holder used to lie routinely to Congress all the time, and nothing ever came of it. They just delay. They refuse the subpoenas. You can string, and anybody who's ever had a legal problem knows this, you can string legal problems out for many years, well past the decade, if you if you know how. Right. These guys only have to do it for a couple of years, and they're good at it. And now that Barr boycotted a House inquiry into the Mueller report, Pelosi says she will follow the recommendations of her committee chairs on how to hold Barr accountable. So they're getting ready to battle and battle big time. All right. Enjoy that. Turns out the Department of Defense... And and, and, and listen, uh, maybe this is whataboutism, but Eric Holder was lying routinely about running guns to Mexico that ended up in gangs and killing people. What Barr is being accused of lying about is whether he knew Mueller's reaction to his four-page summary that came out before the virtually the entire Mueller report came out. Yeah. So what? And you can't lie to Congress with impunity. I'm fine with that. But man, you are really making a mountain out of a molehill here. Turns out the Department of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs cannot share medical records digitally. The Washington Examiner reports that's just one of the overdue reforms to veterans' medical record-keeping that members of the House Appropriations Committee blasted Pentagon officials about on Wednesday for not being able to get put into place. Uh, how, can, how can the government's health care system for veterans not include the technology that every household in America has? It's awful. It's astonishing. Hal Rogers, a Republican from Kentucky, told the panel of Pentagon officials... Quote, in the meantime, we've got young veterans dying, going blind, suffering interminable illnesses because of bureaucratic crap. The acting Secretary of Defense, Patrick Shanahan, saying the issue of passing actual records between the two systems is very complex and lies at the heart of the problem. Shanahan going on to add, we've been holding people's feet to the fire to get these treatment facilities integrated, but we really do owe you a better answer in four years is... Unacceptable. This could become your health care system soon. Let's vote to make the government in charge of everything. Expand the veterans' health care system to all of us. It has become an argument now for uh, AOC said it and a bunch of people have said it that veterans, the, the, the VA system is great. 
The problems are a myth. She said that the other day. Wow. That's something. Turns out walnuts may help reduce the blood pressure of people who are at risk for heart disease. Wow, wow wait a minute. Yep. Well, I got a bag of them at home. I'll pop a couple in my mouth. I'll, I'll shovel them in like, they're, you know, pizza for a college boy, if, if you know, the story holds true, Marshall. A wonderful walnut. A story out of Penn State found to test subjects who ate whole walnuts in combination with a diet low in saturated. Like the shell and everything? No, I meant it's be painful to pass them. the shell. Oh, you know, you know. oh. Yes, Anyway, they found that uh, walnuts in combination with a diet that's low in saturated fat had indeed an effect on lowering people's blood pressure. The researcher in the study says there seems to be a little something extra in the walnuts that's beneficial, but she says they're going to need further studies to determine exactly what it is. But they did find that walnuts are really wonderful. The problem with this sort of medical reporting, though I am quite interested in it as a guy with uh, hypertension, is that, uh, for instance, I'd heard for the longest time that uh, ibuprofen can raise your blood pressure, and um, and I so I shied away from it, even though I, didn't I know that I need it. Well, now you know, and now you know this. I mentioned that to my yeah. doctor because I have a fair amount of pain from various things, and I said, "Well, I've got I, I got the hypertension," and he said, "Well, yeah, it theoretically might raise it one or two points." I'm like, "What?" It'll change by 130 to a 132, you know, uh, the, the the first number in blood pressure. Give me the pills. Give them to me. So, yeah. Look, I've been saying How this much? for years. So, the walnuts. The walnuts. How much are they going to lower? I've been saying this for years. I just keep my mouth shut. Almost well, wait a minute. Have you been saying it for years? <laughs> <laughs> or have you kept your mouth shut? I'm going to keep my mouth shut from now on. All right. <laughs> Starting I, now. I stopped <laughs> talking about it years ago. Almost all these stories you hear from Marshall and any media outlet are either completely misleading or so preliminary they don't matter. Almost all of them. I mean like 90% of them. Consider them food for, for thought you're, or research. I, I think, Look I think, into it. I think you're better off never having heard them. Because it puts and in your Armstrong and Getty attack their beloved Because it puts in your head that this does this and this does that. And you get off whack. Yeah. You don't even remember where you heard it. And it's all just crap. Mm, I agree with Joe. I'm wolfing down some ask your doctor. Ask your doctor about any of these studies right. you hear about on Marshall's News. Right. Or you hear on the evening news or whatever. And they'll say, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to have my wife prepare me a walnut smoothie. I'm going <laughs> to... Start taking daily walnut enemas. You know, I am, I am ready. I heard on Armstrong and Getty they said eat walnuts instead of ibuprofen. Doc, is that true? <laughs> I'm gonna grind up walnuts and snort it at night. It's a way to, you know, you bring up the subject, you might look into it a little further and no. find out it is bogus or there's some truth to You're it. You're just gonna make him matter. <laughs> That's why I'm not saying anything about I'm it. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty show, the conscience of the nation. Flee, flee. So we've got some poll numbers uh, within the poll numbers. Uh, CNN was just talking about it, and I uh, just jotted them down because they're kind of interesting. Yeah, right. That's what we're going for. Yeah. Especially among independents, which is the key to winning a presidential election. The R's and the D's are kind of baked in how they're going to vote most of the time. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I've got one more statistic about the college thing. You got a walnut in you. In, <laughs> in That's why you walk that way. In 1970, typical university, professors outnumbered administrators two to one. Now, the administrators outnumber the teachers. What do you say to that? Tear it down, man. Tear it down. It's way more expensive. The results are worse. (laughs) They've completely restructured it. It's 
you got to ideologically abhorrent. Okay, you got to blow the whole thing up. I don't know how that happens. Not literally, folks. No violence. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the, of nation. the nation. SpongeBob SquarePants is 20 years old this summer, and they got a bunch of stuff they're going to do on Nickelodeon to uh, celebrate that, I guess. Boy, was he a huge favorite in my family. Well, like for my kids and me, Judy would just look at it and squint. <laughs> I kind of look at it and squint myself, but my kids have just gotten into it recently, and we got the 100-episode box set, and they've seen every episode five times by now. Refer to him as SpongeBob Square Trousers. That always amused my children. Plankton is among my favorite characters in any cartoon. I love that guy. Fabulous. Man, Fabulous. man, do they love it, especially my youngest. And uh, so anyway, he'll be happy that they're doing something special for the anniversary this 20 years. If you're of a certain age, that probably makes you think, how could that possibly be? My daughter, Kate, my oldest, is a, uh, a recognized SpongeBob scholar. Her memories of the show are, are encyclopedic. She will tell you that after the second season, second or third, I'll have to text her, the quality dropped off significantly as they lost their uh, the showrunner and, and the originator of the thing. He went on to do oh, really? other things mostly. And uh, this is, uh, my wonder, knowledge is not encyclopedic. So, Do you know how many episodes they did? Uh, no, it's quite a few see, seasons. Quite so. a few, yeah. Because the, the DVD we have is the first 100 episodes, and I thought, why did you put out a DVD that's only the first? I wonder if there's some acknowledgement of that. Yeah, that sounds about right. That the first however many seasons are significantly better. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, so then I won't spring for the for all of it. Um, God, I love Squidward. <laughs> How can you not? <laughs> Some poll numbers that are out, and CNN was discussing these recently, and they they caught my eye, so I uh, jotted them down. Now, Trump's overall approval rating is uh, anywhere from the lowest I've seen recently is 39 to up above 50 in some polls. Um, For the purposes of this, they're they're breaking it down a little more than that. Break it down now. Trump's approval by the issues on the economy, he's at 56% among everybody, 56%. That's Mm -hmm. That's a high number. Among independents, obviously among Republicans, it's through the roof. But among independents, it's sixty-three percent on the economy. Hmm. So that's uh, that's that's a that's a pretty critical number right there. That's a landslide re-election territory. It really is. And his, of course, we have five hundred plus days to go. And his approval disapproval uh, among independents is is uh, and they have him at I think thirty-nine in the CNN poll. But among independents, it's forty-six hmm. percent. So he's 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 got independents pretty happy. Um. Anybody who thinks he's, of, of course he'll lose. You're crazy. <laughs> You're crazy if you think that. At this point, and who knows what's going to happen in the next year and a half. Um. I also thought this number was interesting. Promises kept. Fifty-one percent of Americans, including all the Democrats that hate him, mm. uh, say he has kept his promises. So he's over fifty percent on that. I've heard haters, like from the Wapo, say, "I will give him this." He is doing what he said he would do. He ran on this, and now he's doing it. Right. Which isn't always the case. Right. The uh, Jerusalem is the capital of the Israel thing. Beautiful example. The last half dozen guys have run on it. And then Trump did it, and everybody reacted with horror. Netanyahu said the other day, we need to build a statue to Donald Trump. Mm. Donald Trump might have a statue in Israel of him. 
because he did what every president said they were going to do for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. And, and and what has been the blowback? People have time, oh, no, this isn't provocative. What? Nothing. Well, Jack, it, it impeded the peace process. Nothing. It hasn't done anything. Any of these other uh, panty-waist presidents who, who poll everything and are always so worried, none of them ever did that. And wh- what what has happened? Nothing. What is the deal? specific origin of the phrase panty-waist? I don't know. That's a good one. I've used it myself many times. But panty-waist, you have, you have panties around your waist? You're wearing panties, so you're a woman. going to wear them? So you're weaker. It would be an old-timey expression that assumes women are weak, which I don't agree with. But Certainly uh, not. But that's, that would have to be the expression, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, just the waist part of it. He's a panty wearer. I mean, is Some that women are weak. Nose? Some men are weak. Some women are strong. Some men are strong. Please. It's the same, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Panty waist, I guess. Maybe I'll stop using panty waist. What would be a better one? Sorry, that was a distraction. You were making a point. No, no. What's, what's a better insult for a weak person? There was a, there was a word we were using for a while, but one of our bosses didn't like it. So we stopped using that word. Yeah, it's a little coarse. The, uh, the the issue is that many of them refer many of the terms for the weak refer either to uh, femininity or have been used traditionally to describe homosexuals. Yeah, and yeah, and I'm not cool with either one of those. Actually, I really am not. I'd prefer not to use it. You yeah. know, if you don't mean it that way, no, I don't. Um, so, so what is a good your weak? Do you know what a you're weakling? Call, that seems a little. I call people soft. Soft is good. Yeah, that was my dad. Yeah. He's yeah. pretty soft. Soft mm. is good. Mm. I might go with that from now. On. Hard words. <laughs> uh yeah, okay. A little Fair soft, enough. softy. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, I said something about being fat once, and my boss at the time said, "You're not fat. You're softig," which is literally softish in German. Is it really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> softish. Soft-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Softish. And that's accurate-ish. <laughs> Depends on where you're poking me. Oh, I'm tough as nails! If you poke me right here on the tip of my elbow, it's pretty firm. But if you poke me here, it's a, it's much like a, a waterbed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, NFL linemen are fat, too. Yeah. Right? Or if you go call one a, 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 a weakling. You're, you're not, not gonna. But you're not an NFL lineman, so. That yeah, point remains. Does it? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, the first few seasons of SpongeBob SquarePants were not all computer animation. They used cells like traditional animation with a little computer help. I'm a, I'm a uh, SpongeBob freak, this person says. Interesting. I didn't know that. So it was drawn frame by frame like they used to do cartoons. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't care about that that much. There are horrifically badly animated shows um, that are absolutely brilliant in their writing. Um. So uh, I don't care that much. It's about the writing to me. But Sean, you have out of context sound from bar. Yeah, well, from the bar hearing yesterday, there was not a ton of substance other than being reminded that some of the senators are mostly useless. But I thought some of these quotes were kind of funny. For you to suggest that this was some sort of a kabuki dance with Rob Rosenstein, we can in an open setting at least agree that he's a bad dude. <laughs> kabuki dance, bad dude. There you go. Hello, Elizabeth Holmes here, wearing a sensible black turtleneck. I figure-staked Armstrong and Getty, and now here's their final thoughts with the results. Here's your host. Celebrity voices impersonated. Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought to wrap up the show. Wouldn't that be grand? Hello, Michael. What's your final thought? All right, we got SpongeBob, 20 years old. Simpsons, 30 years old. Caddyshack, 39 years old. Make sure you hug your children. They'll soon be 32. <laughs> Think about it. 
Marshall Phillips, your final thought? Well, I just uh, wanted to give you a heads up. My fellow racing enthusiast, Kentucky Derby favorite, Omaha Beach, has been the scratched. Whoa, no! Make your investments accordingly. Positive Sean, your final thought. Yes, I play this one other out-of-context sound from Ben Stass from the, the bar hearing, just so I have an excuse to put it in clips of the week. And in a digital cyber era, you don't need a, a bar and a hooker anymore. <laughs> That's handy note. Handy news right there. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I want them. <laughs> Not I about need me. them. Right, exactly. So I want a cultural change to happen. Uh, whenever there's a mass shooting or an attempted mass shooting, instead of we all memorize the name of the scumbag shooter, we memorize the names of the heroes who uh, who stopped it or attempted to stop it. And here's one, Riley Howell in North Carolina, who ran at the shooter, saved multiple lives, maybe maybe 30 people saved. We'll never know. We'll never know. He yeah. died in the process. Riley Howell, 21. My final thought, I just became aware of this, that... Um People are getting unfollowed on Twitter by the many of many thousands, but they're not doing it. Or they're being forced to stop following somebody, but they didn't do it. Something odd is happening. We'll follow up on that. Interesting. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour work. And it's not fake accounts, by the way. So many people think go to armstrongandgetty.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hope you're not soft. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. All of a sudden, I heard the sound, the haunting cry. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Armstrong and Getty.